dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Father Michael. Sister, almost mother. Yeah, just three more days. Is that right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three more days. Yes, you don't count the day of. You don't count the day it is. I mean... This is my confusion about like time zones because I oftentimes say that I oftentimes will say that I am four hours from you. You're usually, I'm no, in Cleveland right now. That is emphatically not true. Oh, I know. I know. But like in my, I, I think I, I'm more of a visual learner than an auditory. So like I look and there's four time zones in the country. Right, so I say four. I'm on one end, you're on the other, which I know is not true. I'm just saying that's how that's I think. That's fascinating. But I, I see four, and so the same thing when you say <clears throat> three days away. In my mind, I count the day we're on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I know it's wrong. <laughs> I know it's wrong. I'm just that. That's that's the way that my brain works. Is that I I look at like the days on the calendar, <clears throat> and I see that it's Thursday, and I say, Oh, look, it's Thursday. That's one. <laughs> look, tomorrow's Friday. That's two. Oh, sorry in advance for any coughing that happens during the this episode. I'm still getting over the Ronas a little bit. Mm. Not contagious by this point, but um, it's been a full, almost a full two weeks at this point. But there's still a little bit of a lingering cough. Mm. And you get your taste buds are realigning. Yes, the taste is coming back, which is really exciting because I was that was one of the saddest parts for me. Actually, that was probably the saddest part. Uh of having COVID was the losing the taste because I thought, because some people don't get it back for months and months. I still don't have my smell back. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's been since April. Yeah. Let me think, April, May, June, July, August, September. <laughs> <laughs> Six months. So, it's actually only five. <laughs> <laughs> so the my first thought when I realized I lost taste was, I'm not going to be able to taste the beer <laughs> that we brewed for the profession. But my taste started coming back a couple of days ago. Jesus' is particular love for you. Uh, absolutely. Um, Maggie, I attribute it to the prayers of Maggie Zabegan because she was praying for me to be able to taste all of the wedding weekend things, like the Chick-fil-A dinner the night before and then the I beer would, for the profession and things like that. I wish my brain worked that way. I don't pray for those little things for you. I should. Well, no, you probably should just pray for my salvation. <laughs> That's that I pray for, but I, I, I we like can leave it. the details to Maggie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there we go. I guess we all have a different part of the body of Christ, even when it comes to praying for each other. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to. I prayed for you this morning, though, for something weird. What was it during matins? Was it because my body hurts? I was going to ask you about that. How's that? It's horrible. So I right now still. Yeah. So any medical people. Uh, sisters coming off steroids. Does yeah, this I don't. I don't think it's. I've been on steroids before. I don't no. think it's a, a matter of the steroids. I think it's some weird COVID thing. I thought of. I the finally thought butt. this morning. <laughs> I finally realized this morning. You know how I was trying to articulate what it feels like. I finally figured out what it is, so I can tell you that. But uh, for listeners, I'm having this weird experience that my whole body hurts. Um, since having COVID, especially my upper body, but it's like, it's, uh, it's not like the kind of body aches that you have when you have the flu, but it's, um, it almost feels like my whole body is bruised. And so anytime someone touches me or like I'm sitting with my back against the chair or something like that, uh, it hurts my body. <laughs> and, but I finally figured out this morning what it feels like. It's, um, like how to describe the soreness. It's like when you have a tetanus shot or something like that mm -hmm. and you have that muscle soreness yep. and, or, or sometimes even, I guess with like the flu shot, but more so like the, the tetanus. Um, and so it's that kind of soreness, but all over my body. It's they tell so you bizarre. to swim after you get your tetanus shot. Oh, just like so that because it's like no pressure, like no pressure on mm -hmm. your body, but you're still like working your muscles. That makes sense. I don't know if that's why, but that's that's what they. Hmm. I remember hearing when I was when I got my tetanus shot. The best thing to do is go swimming right afterwards. Hmm. Maybe you should go swimming. Yeah, with all my spare time before the <laughs> <laughs> profession. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, 
if anyone else has had this experience with COVID or you know someone who has or something, like, please reach out because I'm very curious about it. I haven't heard of it. Uh, but anyways, it's just, is that what you were praying for? Was it about that? I wish I remembered. Oh, well, thanks for praying for me this morning. I appreciate it. Sure. Matins was really nice, despite the fact that I was half asleep. Yeah, did you drink coffee this morning? I did. Do you not drink coffee anymore? Where'd you get your coffee from? Um, you, I, you never told me what happened. Are you an elitist? Do you make, <laughs> do you make your own coffee that we don't know about? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Ah, Actually, you. so this is, this is really funny. Um, so I get up this morning to get coffee <laughs> and I, I am promised, I am promised the night before that the coffee will be ready at 6.15 before matins. And I come out all bleary eyed in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I grope around, like literally in the dark, I grope around for like the coffee, the the pot, and uh-huh. there's like nothing in the maker. I'm like, what the heck? So I go and turn the light on. There's this empty coffee pot sitting there. And so I like awkwardly stick my finger into the grounds to see if they're wet or not, to see if like it's out and they're dry. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then I, I look at this water. I think I figured out what happened. Oh. Okay. Um, I'm so yesterday, so usually when I set up the coffee for mother, so I only set up the coffee for mother. I don't drink that coffee. I'll get to okay. that in a second. Uh, not because I'm an elitist, but for another reason that I'll explain uh, in a okay. second. But um, like I drink the same kind of coffee. Okay. I just not, uh, so from that pot. Okay. So when I set up coffee in the morning, I set it up and then I um, press the buttons so that it's on delay start. Okay. Got it. But it's set to the same time I every see. morning. I see. Yesterday, because the power had gone out, I had to not only, I had to reset the clock on the coffee maker and reset the delay. Okay. And I think because I did all those things, I forgot to actually hit the delay start. Okay. And so like the times were all set, but it wasn't set to start. But why was the, it was a good thing because the coffee, the coffee pot was like out of the maker. I'm So when mother got up this morning, I think she probably came, looked oh, at it and was I like, see. oh, there's no coffee. And then just set the carafe down. I see. Um, so did yeah. she have no coffee? She had leftover from yesterday that she reheated. Oh. But then when I came back over to check on it, I filled hers up. I see. And brought oh, it back. Okay. okay. Like with what was left from yesterday. I see. Got it. So, um, okay, here's the, yes, I still drink coffee in the morning. But because I pray spousal prayers before matins. Yes. Um, oh. Sorry, people, I just hit the mic. Before, I, since I pray spousal prayers before matins, so does Mother Gabriella. And so... <laughs> Mother Gabrielle and I have a system. You're like bright red right now. <laughs> it's just—it's a really funny system. People are going to think this is very strange. Mother Gabrielle and I share a bathroom. Like there's a bathroom between mm-hmm. ourselves. Okay. So we have a percolator. Okay. That's set up in the bathroom. <laughs> and then, so then in the morning, whoever's the first one to wake up plugs the percolator mm-hmm. in, goes back to their cell. Okay. And then... Whoever gets in the first time that it's done, like when it's done, whoever takes the first cup of coffee puts a sticky note up that says, I have my coffee. Okay. So then if you go in and that sticky note is already up, then you take your coffee and you unplug the percolator because you know the other person has their coffee. Okay. (laughs) And then you put the sticky note back and then repeat the next day. This is monastic life. Yeah. And so Mother Gabriel and I brew coffee in our bathroom in the morning. <laughs> that sounds very like hotel. That's what happens when I travel. Like pretty much every hotel room now has a little Keurig in it. Oh. Did I say that right? Keurig. Mm-hmm. Junta. I think so. Keurig. Junta. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm learning I how to say words. You. you know what? I, I take that back because, well, maybe I, I know I'm a visual learner, but I also probably don't read enough because Father Nathan. My vicar, he pronounces things wrong. He pronounces things wrong all the time because he's used to because he's it. reading. Yeah. He's a reader. He's smart. Like smart <laughs> people pronounce things wrong, and that's because they read them. And then I'm just used to hearing everything, so I might pronounce things correctly. I just don't know as much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, that's uh, that's the story. So, so you're here at the monastery. Yay. We're recording in person. We're in the green room where I've seen you record on your side many times. Yeah. I see this room behind you mm-hmm. and when I'm in Los Angeles and now we're both in here. We also have spiritual direction in here a lot. Oh yeah, okay. Like I'm often in here for spiritual direction, I mean. 
Our catechumen just asked about that icon, by the way. They have an icon, the triptych on the wall, uh-huh. which is Jesus in the middle and the mother of God on one side and John the Baptist on the other. And I, what's like, I love catechumens. I've had them both in Denver and now in Los Angeles who read a lot more than I do. Again, this is a theme. Um, <laughs> But they, but so they, they learn like one thing I didn't realize, but we call it a triptych because there are like three parts to it. Um, but one thing I did not realize was that, I mean, do you, why would you say, I don't know, just tell me if I'm, I shouldn't be asking you this, but do you know why it's the mother of God on one side, John the Baptist on the other of a triptych? Jesus in the middle, mother of God on one side, looking in arms raised in supplication or John the Baptist on the other side, also looking in, they're both looking at Christ in this case, John the Baptist is holding a scroll with Greek or Russian on it. I don't know. And he's blessing. I mean, my assumption is just because he's the forerunner. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the most basic. But I, the way that Mike, the catechumen, shout out to Catherine, who probably doesn't listen. Um, she, she said that it's supposed to actually be an icon of the final judgment. And I was like, oh, interesting. Fascinating. But, but then I thought it's actually... It's it's actually they're in the same place as they are on the iconostas. Yeah. So Jesus, you have the mother of God on Jesus' right, and John the Baptist on his left on, on a typical Byzantine iconostas. So it's probably like the last judgment, but it's also the final banquet where Jesus is where his mother's sitting on his right and John the Baptist, the the friend of the bridegroom, is on his left, because of course that's why James and John couldn't get it, because he says that the place has been reserved by my father. So it's probably like an interesting thought because when she said it's like the final judgment, it's like just imagine the final judgment is literally walking up to Jesus and his throne is actually a seat at a table, mm-hmm. like at the final banquet, which is heaven. And he's there in heaven. He's not like sitting on a judge's bench. He's sitting on a, like a, a seat at a table and there's his mother on his right and John the Baptist on his left. And then they're, you know, praising him as mm-hmm. we all do in heaven for all eternity. Anyway, it was just a very interesting thought about, about like what this very traditional three-part icon is. Um, and then how that may relate to what she read somewhere about that being the final judgment. But when it comes to an iconostas, it's actually you're, you're looking into heaven and you're seeing them seated at the heavenly banquet. That's anyway. Fascinating. I feel like you're talking really fast. Really? Yeah. What'd you give me? What'd you put in my tea? You made your own tea. I did make my own tea. No, this, no, I still, this is from what you made. Oh, you me. just made it with the same bag? I just put more water in it, yeah. Oh, it's just green tea. I always talk fast, though. That's true. The, um, the, yeah, I'd be interested in what the words are, both in the gospel book that Jesus has and the, uh, the think, scroll that John the Baptist has. I think has. that's Cyrillic, isn't it? That's not Greek. That's Cyrillic. It that's is Cyrillic. That's correct. Okay, so it's a Russian style. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to move on. Go ahead. Because I want to, we're finishing the life profession service yes. today, no Let's matter what. Um, even if I have to rush through at the end. Are you keeping out of time? Yes. Okay. So I believe where we left off with monastic profession part three, which I'm starting to, uh, this is retribution because I teased you so much about having your like 43 part series on the divine liturgy. And then I said I was going to do one or two on the professions. <laughs> hashtag stop judging sister. But that's a very long hashtag. The, I think where I left off in the profession was we've just finished up um, these prayers that the bishop says. And... Um, And at this point, the bishop stretches out his right hand to the Holy Gospel and says, Behold, Christ stands here invisibly. See to it that no one compels you to this schema. See that you desire of your own free will the betrothal of the great and angelic schema. And then I say, yes, master of my own free will. Having heard this, the bishop says three times to the candidate, take up the scissors and give them to me. So the scissors... um, the deacon has earlier placed on the gospel book. So the scissors are on the gospel book at this point. So the bishop says, take up the scissors and give them to me. So three times, what I'm going to do at my life profession, um, this is, this is kind of a, to be, to be honest, this is a combining of like the Greek and the Slavic traditions, I think. Um, Rebel. Yeah, I know. But, um, the, I think the Greek tradition maybe is to throw the scissors and the Slavic maybe is to take them off the gospel. Mm. Uh, we're doing a combination of the, the nice. two. So 
<clears throat> so each time for these three times of the take up the scissors and give them to me, each time um, I will take the scissors from the gospel book, hand them to the bishop and kiss his hand. And then he throws the scissors down the center aisle. I go retrieve them, give them back to him, and he puts them back on the gospel book. So we do that thrice. And then he says the third time, so the only thing he says each time is take up the scissors and give them to me. The third time he says, from the hand of Christ, you receive these scissors. It is before Christ that you stand. It is to Christ that you make your profession. It is for Christ that you renounce all. Beautiful. So from Christ, before Christ, to Christ, and for Christ. So um, I, I liked, there, there were a few things that I was praying with about this part of the service on retreat. And one is just, I mean, there's the obvious, like showing the free will of picking up the scissors, right? Like you, you really have to, you really have to want this to do it. Like I'm walking down the aisle to pick them up um, thrice. And it's also just the, the humility of like, <laughs> um, of having to do that. It's like, it's almost like playing fetch with a dog or something. And, but, but I like the, that the bishop's words after on that on that third time the bishop words bishop's words really make clear that the scissors are given to me by Christ and that he's the one who gives me the strength to make the promises before him and to him and uh it, it reminds me very much of the the scripture that's like we need the holy spirit to pray for us mm-hmm. like we don't even know how to pray um so it's like Jesus Jesus is asking these promises of me, but he's also the one who's going to be able to, like, I need him in order to even make the promises yeah. and and all of that. And because of that, it's very much, it's very much mutual gift. Like Christ and I giving ourselves fully to the other, to the extent, of course, that my brokenness allows, he can give himself fully, <laughs> um, but giving of ourselves fully to the other, which is really beautiful because this is the truth of marriage, right? And this is this is very much a marriage. And the, the bishop even calls it the betrothal of the great and angelic schema yeah. in this prayer. And so, um, yeah, so I just really like that all of that is very, um, very Christocentric, especially just uh, the, the scissors coming from the gospel book and all of that. So, yeah. Anything on that, Father Michael? No, it's just I, I'm I'm still trying to process like what exactly it means that you have like what is the angelic schema that that the cross and the instruments of the passion that are on this little piece of cloth that you'll be wearing, and just I, mean, I, I I've always had this thought, and this might be heresy, but um, it, that, that there's I think I preached it a couple times, and I just kind of listened to my own homily, and now I think it's true, but um, but the, the, there's a sense of there's only one cross. It's Christ's cross. So all the crosses we carry are his cross that's already been carried, that he carried well and that he continues to carry with us. So so when when monks and nuns, when they get to this part of their life profession, life profession, life profession, um, they they they're they're bearing like the sacramental sign, like an actual cross given by the church, given by the bishop, given by Christ, and they're wearing it on their person. So it really is Christ's cross because it's the instrument on the little piece of cloth. It shows the instruments of His passion. Mm-hmm. You know, it shows the spear and the sponge and the rooster. Yeah, we're gonna get there. We're not. At oh, the sorry. Sorry. Okay. Good. Okay. So anyway, it's just interesting that you know that that it's He's giving it to you, but it's His cross. He gives us His cross, His yoke, His mm. burden, mm-hmm. um, and you and you nuns and monks carry it so visibly, like mm. to remind yourselves when you put it on. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'll let you go ahead then. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're almost at the clothing part. So the so then the bishop tonsures, so just like a small symbolic cut, the top of my head in the sign of the cross. So just little snips of hair in the sign of the cross. And he says, our sister, Mother Natalia, is tonsured. So that's the first time I'm called mother. Our sister, Mother Natalia, is tonsured in the hair of her head as a sign that she has renounced the world and everything that is in the world and for the restraining of her will and of all fleshly desires in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us all say for her, Lord, have mercy. And then we say, Lord, have mercy. Um, And then the bishop cuts my hair. So that's the point where he cuts my hair up to my shoulders. 
and I'm so excited. <laughs> I took my second to last shower before profession today, and I just was thinking about this moment and how I'm soon not going to have hair that's down to my knees. <laughs> <sighs> Someone sent me shampoo and conditioner. Uh, I'm, awesome. I'm assuming it's got to be a listener, and... <laughs> There was no note in it, but it was very funny. I used that shampoo and conditioner this morning, and I'm probably going to use it the morning of my profession. So nice. whoever you were, there you go. Okay. Um, no one ever shows me shampoo and conditioner. Yeah. Well, that's very funny because you're bald. Ha, 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 ha. You, you, you need to give like a pause before you make fun of me like for le- letting the listeners laugh. I think some people laugh at me. And then you just like come in with an eye roll and a little comment. But what if what if they're laughing at me? Like we need a, a time for someone to laugh at my jokes. Okay, can I keep going? <laughs> I'll just laugh my own. Yes, you may keep going. Okay, so the bishop cuts my hair, and then <clears throat> the bishop touches with his right hand. So now the clothing begins. The bishop touches with his right hand the vlasenitsa, which the with which the beginner is clothed. And holding it says, so the Vlashanit says that white garment that I'm wearing. Um, so he's not really holding it. That's kind of a weird way to say that because I'm wearing it. But uh, but he says, our sister, Mother Natalia, is clothed in the garments of voluntary poverty and of the enduring of all misfortunes and hardships. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let us all say for her, Lord have mercy. So this Vlashanitsa, this white garment, is... Really interesting. I, I probably talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the service when I said that I'm wearing it, but um, it's both baptismal gown and burial garment. Beautiful, which is really, really beautiful. Yeah. And so we've got so so we've talked. You know, I've talked about how a, a monastic profession is the closest you can come to a second baptism. Of course, it's not a second baptism, but there's all the baptismal imagery, the three prostrations being like the three dunks at the beginning, the white gown being like a baptismal gown. But this is also the garment that I'll be buried in when I die. And um, and I like this prayer about the voluntary poverty, the enduring of all misfortunes and hardships, because uh, we have, like, we see here both birth and death, which you see in every baptism, right? Like, there's the the imagery of, of the, the dying and rising and... Um, and birth and death really are the two moments of our greatest poverty and our greatest hardship, you know? Um, like, it's a really traumatic experience for a baby to come into the world. Yeah. Uh, and they come into a into the world totally, totally poor, you know? And both of those things are results of the fall. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I was praying with this on retreat, I was thinking, it, it reminded me of the icon of the nativity uh, because we see in the icon of the nativity that... Jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes, but they're also um, like yeah. burial cloths, yeah. you know? And yeah. and in the icon of the resurrection, in which he's again clothed in white, obviously. And um, yeah, so just, so, so my prayer for when I was uh, at this part of the profession, praying with this part of the service, my prayer was just that this garment be for me a reminder of, of that constant death and resurrection to which I'm called, because, to which we're all called, but... Uh, a quick yeah. explanation of what Sister just said. Um, if you look at a Byzantine icon of the nativity of our Lord, you will see that that you see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laid in a manger. And if you look at an icon of, of the ultimate humility or one of the icons of Christ in the tomb dead, you'll see, of course, a dead man wrapped in a shroud laying in a tomb. But, but iconographically, the burial garments and the the burial shroud are the same thing and the manger and the tomb are the same thing. So you actually see, if you just looked in, you would see the same thing in both cases, somebody wrapped in white laying in a box. Um, but but so the, the image here in the iconography of the nativity is that Christ came to die. It, it's, it's kind of a, a, a sobering, realistic kind of heart-wrenching thought that that's why Jesus, why God sent him into the world was to, to, break open the gates of Hades to to 
you know, allow heaven to meet earth in his incarnation and in his death and resurrection. Um, so the the joy of the nativity is made somber and even more joyful in a different sense in the fact that this wasn't just, it's not just a gift of a baby, God made man come into the world, but it's also the gift of this God man who's going to give everything for us and 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 become this ladder, um, Jacob's ladder, this meeting place between heaven and earth, so that we have access to God in God's very life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the the other thing I want to point out before I keep going is, and I might have said this again on one of the previous episodes about the profession, but <clears throat> I think it's very striking here that so for as as I receive each piece of clothing, the bishop ends by saying. He says the prayer as for the reception of the clothing. And then he says, let us all say for her, Lord have mercy. And then um, everyone sings, Lord have mercy. And this is, uh, I think, a stark contrast to the ordination of a priest or a deacon um, in the Byzantine rite. At, At each article of clothing that they receive at their ordination, the bishop says, um, is it the bishop who says it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the bishop says uh, oxios, which means he is worthy, and then all and then the priests say he is worthy, and then all the people saying he is worthy. And so, I just want to point out again what I at the at the very beginning of this series, you know, I talked about how a monastic profession is not about um, being worthy or being holy or being virtuous or any of those things. It's about um, coming into the ranks of the penitents, choosing this life of penance um, as a repentant sinner. And so uh, so the people are not saying that I'm worthy. The people are saying, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and so I, I just like that, that contrast there. Uh, okay, next article. The next thing that I receive is the paramandias, which is what you were talking about, Father Michael. And... Um, this square piece of cloth that I'll wear under my veil. So nobody else sees this. Um, we, we only know that it's there, but I'm going to go ahead and read the prayer for this one because it's really beautiful. Our sister, Mother Natalia, receives the paramandias, the betrothal of the angelic schema, as a perpetual reminder of taking upon herself the easy yoke of Christ and of bearing his light burden and for the curbing and restraining of all her carnal desires. And she takes also the sign of the Lord's cross upon her breast for a perpetual reminder of the suffering and humiliation, spitting, revilement, wounds, buffeting, crucifixion, and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he voluntarily endured for our sakes. And to signify that as far as possible, she will endeavor to imitate this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us all say for her, Lord, have mercy. So, um... So this is the the square piece of cloth that <clears throat> that you were talking about, Father Michael, and it's got. Um, I actually have it on my holy card, and it's also going to be on the front of our booklet because it's uh, one of my favorite pieces of the the clothing. But it's got um, a monastic cross on it, and then it's got all the instruments of the passion, like you were saying. So it's got like the the spear and the reed and all of those things, and um, and then written around. The outside of it is the the verse from Galatians 6, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, and well, I don't know. I don't really have, yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that other than what you were saying earlier about us taking on the cross of Christ and um, and the, the constant reminder of the, I think the prayer, yeah, that prayer really says it all of just the, the perpetual reminder of the suffering, the humiliation, the spitting, the revilement, so on and so forth. Yeah. So, um, next things I receive are the dress and the veil. And for this part, so this, the, the dress and the veil are the same dress and veil that I wear now. Um, I just get a new one for the profession. But the, the prayer for this one says, Our sister, Mother Natalia, is clothed with the garment of gladness. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, let us all say for her, 
Lord have mercy. And so I, I looked up this this phrase, the garments of gladness, because I wasn't sure where that what that scripture reference was. And and I realized it was from Isaiah 61, verse 3. And I was so struck by the the beauty of these four verses in Isaiah. And I thought, this, these four verses, this is what I'm called to. Hmm. This is my vocation. Like this is in my mind, this is the the mission statement of a monastic. So I'm going to read these four verses. And I, I ended up putting them actually on my holy card. So um, if any of you want one of my holy cards, feel free to to reach out and, or we could do something. Uh, I'd do a self-addressed. Yeah, we could do like, like we did with it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Sorry, Olivia, I just gave you more work. Um, <laughs> I just gave Docomos Olivia more work. But if you want one of my holy cards, send in a self-addressed and stamped envelope. Um, but just make it clear that you're asking for a holy card because otherwise Olivia will probably assume that you want a sticker. Or so. we'll send you both. Uh, maybe, we'll see. We'll see how generous I'm feeling. So um, so the, the, verse in, the verses in Isaiah, oh, I didn't write them down. Okay, well, I'll share this part instead. So the verses in Isaiah um, are, it's Isaiah 61 verses one through four. And those verses are referenced in Luke four, verses 18 to 19. So Luke four, 18 to 19 kind of summarizes these four verses in Isaiah. So I'll share the ones from Luke, but it's summarizing these ones from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I was like this, yeah, like this is what I'm called to do as a monastic, you know, um, to, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, there's an additional part in Isaiah that I really liked that's to bind up the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. And that was actually my, my favorite part of it, which is why I used the Isaiah verses instead of the Luke verses. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so anyways, that's the, the garment of gladness. So that's what I get. Uh, that's when I get the dress and the veil. And then... The next thing I get is the belt, which again, this is the same belt that I already wear. It's just a, it's just a new one. And it's our sister, Mother Natalia, is girded about her loins with the power of truth for the mortification of body and the renewal of spirit and for courage and watchfulness in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, so... I was uh, for these for these next few ones, these next few pieces. I was I uh, decided to pray with what they mean, what these kind these articles of clothing would have meant for um, a soldier uh, at the time of Christ, and so so like a Roman soldier, mm-hmm. because um, these are we we talk in the prayers about how. Um, in the prayers of the service about how I'm called to be a, a soldier for Christ and, and to, to, um, all of that. I don't remember the exact prayers, but, um, but I knew that there were, there were soldier references in here. And so for the belt, I was, um, I was thinking like, this is where, this is where the Roman soldiers would have carried their weapons right on their belt. Mm. Because if you, uh, like they didn't have the pockets. And so, um, so I was like, okay, so if my belt is where I'm carrying my weapons, what am I carrying on my belt? And there's three things. Um, one is the chotki, which we'll get to in a little bit. But then the other two things are that there's two psalms written on the back of our belts, our monastic belts. One of them is Psalm 90, which is an assurance of God's protection, right? This is the psalm that's, he will deliver you, he will cover you, you will not fear. And then the other is Psalm 67, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. So this is the Psalm that we sing obviously on, um, for resurrection matins at, um, on Pascha every year. 
And these may be different than the ones you guys look up in your Bible because they're oh, Septu- yes. Septuagint numbering. So anyway, so yes. if you look them up, they're, they're probably going to be one off. It just just drop down from or yes, add, I think add it's, one I think it's to Psalm it. 91. 91 and, and 68. 68. Yeah. Yes. If, if you're looking the, up in your Bible. In the Vulgate, yeah. Um, yes, good clarification. And so... Um, so these things, which which come from the truth of the resurrection, like these are my weapons in battle. Um, and and then I'll get to the chopkin a little bit. Um, next is the riasa, which is the robe that we wear at matins and vespers in divine liturgy. So it's just liturgical, and we wear it over our habit. And this one, he says. Um, he, it's the the same phrase, garment of spiritual joy and gladness. And he says it's for putting away the trampling of the sorrows and troubles coming from the devil, from the flesh, and from the world. And um, yeah, I, I wondered as I was as I was praying with this this one. Um, especially when he says it's a garment of spiritual joy. Um, I, w- I was wondering if there's, there's, there's something to me about like the stark simplicity of these things. Um, like they're very simple garments, right? They're, they're like straight and just, um, you know, there's not lots of like, there's no ruffles or anything like that. And, um, and they're all black. And, and there's like something about the contrast of the black with just the radiating joy. Like when people see us in our liturgical garb, they're always like, you're so beautiful. You're so joyful. You're so, and I'm like, there's, there's <laughs> nothing like flattering yeah. about these garments, which is, is very interesting, but I, but I see it in the other nuns. So it's I'm very not very regal like, though. When you, when you're in, when you're in liturgy, it's very um, regal. That's probably true. And, and I, but I was thinking about how in icons, the light is supposed to radiate from the face. Mm you know, um, of, of the icons. And so it's not like, yeah, icons don't follow the normal rules of art (laughs) in the sense of like shadows and reflections and Mm -hmm. and where light comes from. Um, but the light is always supposed to come from the the face of the, the saint in the icon. And so I wondered if there was, I mean, yeah, I was just, just kind of like sitting with that image of the, the stark contrast of the, the simplicity and, um, of these garments with just like the radiating joy of the face, which is the only part of us that's shown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so the next thing we get is the next thing I get is the Mondias, which is the Cape. <clears throat> um, it's, it's literally a Cape. It's the thing I'm most excited about. Actually. I think <laughs> I really like the, uh, well, maybe not most excited about, but I really like the Mondias and the Mondias is called um, the armor of righteousness, and and he says um, he says our our sister mother Natalia is clothed, sorry, robed in the vesture of joy and gladness of spirit in the armor of righteousness, the sign of her earnest desire to be watchful, and free her mind and will of empty thoughts and subtle self seeking for the remembrance of death as she considers herself crucified to the world and dead to every evil deed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, so again, I, I was thinking about what a cape would have meant for a Roman soldier. And in ancient Rome, the cape would have been worn by the military leaders, right? Much less often by the troops. Um, and, and I just thought this was really appropriate because as monastics, we're called to be the leaders, the gatekeepers, um, those who are, like it says in this prayer, supposed to be watchful and vigilant, like more than all the rest and, and to guard the city walls and, and to constantly be ready to die for the sake of protecting my people. You know, like we're the ones who are supposed to be standing on the front lines, um, and yeah, so I just, I like the, the, that kind of military garment there. Practically is the cape to keep you warm, like at night watch or something like that, when you're on the city walls at night and 
it's chilly and you're wearing a cape to keep you warm. That's a good and question. Alive. Yeah, I don't know. And then I'm wondering if also it's kind of like, I don't, know, I don't know where I heard this, probably from some Hollywood movie or something like that, but the the cape was like, if somebody died, you just wrap them in their cape. Like that mm. became the burial shroud. The burial shroud. Just because it's nice and big and flowy and it, it could work mm-hmm. that way where you wrap their body in it and bury them with that, like if they're in the field or something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's just the practical side of it. It might, may, that might, the prayer might be tying into those two things, the, the, Keeping warm on watch and then being buried in your cape if you die in battle. Mm-hmm. I might be making that up too, so don't quote me. Um. So then the the next thing. So by the way, so the next thing is the clow book, which is the the hat that I start to wear. So up to this point, I've worn a scufia, which is a soft hat um, that I wear during liturgy. But the clow book is a, a hard one, and then it has a a veil on it unlike the Scufia, but um, the clo book is called the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation and of hope that never falters, that she may be able to withstand the snares of the devil. So these, by the way, the armor of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, these are references to um, Ephesians, Ephesians 5, um, when it talks about the, the spirit of truth and the um, helmet of salvation and so on and so forth. Um, but, um, so anyways, the clow book, the helmet of salvation of hope that never falters. Um, hope never fails. I was, I was really struck by this part because, um, because it then says that she may be able to be able to withstand the snares of the devil. And like, this is how the devil works and how he works probably most primarily in my life. And and we've talked about this on many, many podcasts before, but he wants to take away our hope. He wants us to despair. And, um, and despair, I think, is to not trust that there's meaning in suffering. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And, and so, um, so that's what this clo book is, is, is to, um, to remind us to to hope, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty intense definition of despair. I know I, I made think, it up. I think so very it might true. Be. No, I think it's, it's very very true. <laughs> to find no, what do you say? To not be able to see the meaning in to suffering. Not, not see the meaning in suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, okay, just a few more things. The next thing I get are my sandals. So um, for the the prayer for the sandals, um, our sister, Mother Natalia, is shod with sandals in readiness for the proclamation of the good news of peace, Mm -hmm. that she may be swift and diligent in every obedience and in every good deed. Um, Which this reminded me of the the verse in Isaiah 52, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings. Mm -hmm. But the... um, I, I, I really like, this is one of my favorite parts of the services, receiving the sandals, which sounds weird, but because the bishop actually kneels down and he places the sandals on my feet, mm. uh, which is, again, that um, prodigal son imagery that mm-hmm. I've talked about in some of the others. But that's just like the, the humility of that, um, the bishop's humility in that is yeah. very beautiful to me. And, um, and it's just like this very, again, because of the prodigal son imagery, it's this this like really fatherly moment of the profession that I really like. So, um, and so it made me think of that verse in Isaiah. Also, it made me think of the, the verse in Matthew of the, um, if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if not shake the, shake the dust off your feet and leave the town. Um, but, um, but yeah, just like how I was saying that as monastics were called to be those who are, are vigilant and, and guarding the city walls and so on and so forth, we're also called to be the ones who are um, proclaiming the good news and and going forth and um, preaching. You know, I remember you at my tonsure in 2016 in your homily, you talked about how the monastics are, like we're, we're called to be the, the crazy monastics who even like call the bishops out on um, on where they need to be called out and things like that, so... Um, next I received the chotki, the, the prayer rope, 
Um, and this I'll keep on my belt. So I talked about that earlier. And the tchotchke is called the sword of the spirit. So this is, again, we're still referencing that um, Ephesians 5 and the, the sword of the spirit. Um, and the bishop says, for continual prayer to Jesus. Um, and I like that it's called the sword of the spirit because it's, it's like with this sword, I fight not only for my life, but for all those in the world. Um, because as you've said so many times, Father Michael, like I'm most effective in changing the world and helping the world by becoming holy myself, mm. you know, um, and the the Jesus prayer is just such an all-encompassing prayer for myself and for the world. And um, yeah, so the Chalky is just to, to help us pray that without ceasing. Um, okay, I only get a couple more things. The, the next thing, this actually is probably the one I'm most excited about, is the ring. So... Um, the bishop places the ring on my finger and he says, you have chosen her out of the world as a visible sign of your love. And um, yeah, I just, I just prayed a little bit here with, with how I'm called to be a, a visible sign of his love, you know? Um, like it's, it's by being a vessel of his love for others, for sure. Um, imitating him in his in, in like my encounters with people. But I, I think also I'm a visible sign of his love simply by leaving the world. Like by showing others that his love is so great that it's worth giving up everything else. Um, like my very leaving the world is a sign of his love. And um, so another part of the prayer is by a ring, Joseph was given might. Daniel was exalted the truth of Tamar was made manifest. Our heavenly father showed compassion upon his prodigal son. So um, I was praying with each of those and just how, um, like by my espousal to him, I'm given might over the demons. I'm exalted as a witness and leader for the baptized. The truth is made manifest that this life is fleeting that we must live for the kingdom of heaven. And he shows his compassion by accepting me, a prodigal, into marriage with his son. Um, and and then the, la the, the last part of this prayer is, love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. There's a, I, I wonder if there's any reference when it says, in the beginning that you left the world or our Lord pulled you out of the world. Oh, that's almost like a reference to leaving father and mother mm. and clinging mm -hmm. to spouse. Like, like the world has been oh, your father yeah. and your mother in a sense. So you, as a penitent, you're, you're, you're leaving behind what you depended upon, namely all the luxuries and temptations of the world. And now you're, you're clinging only to Christ. Um, a, a real, a real wrenching as it should be from, mm -hmm. from what we depended upon for so long to rely only on Christ. Also forget your people and your father's house yeah. and the king will desire your beauty. Yeah. yeah. So I get, um, we each get a verse inscribed inside of our ring. So I chose Song of Songs 4-7. You are all beautiful, my beloved. There is no blemish in you. So that is on my ring. And then on the outside of the ring is inscribed I-C-X-C with a cross in between the I-C and the X-C. Which is Jesus Christ in Greek. Yes, thank Jesus you. Jesus Christos. Um, all right, last thing I receive, hand cross and the candle. Um, the cross of Christ with which you will be able to put out the flaming darts of the evil one. So, yeah, I was just praying there that when under attack, I can have the grace to remember that his cross is my shield, you know, um, like to remember self-sacrifice and death to self and humility. Like these are, these are our tools in fighting the evil one. And these are, these are what the cross stands for. Um, <clears throat> and then when I get the candle, he says, from this time forward, you must through a pure and virtuous life and through good character, be a light to the world. 
And I, um, I liked the, the image I had in prayer here was, was, um, simply that the, the flame of a candle is enough to light up, you know, an entire dark room, Mm. but that it's, it's a, it's a pure light, especially if it's like a beeswax candle, um, a pure light and a gentle light. It's not like a, a neon sign or something like that, you know, that's that's harsh and like hurts the eyes. Um, and um, yeah, so just, yeah, I guess I just ask for everyone's prayers that, that that's something that, that I can, that I can do, that I can allow... <clears throat> the light of Christ to shine through me in a gentle and pure way that is not harsh or um, abrasive. Amen. A quick thought on the fiery darts, it, it, just the way it says, does it say put out the fiery darts? Um, I think so. There's a, it's interesting because when I think of fiery darts, again, this is just my imagination, but you think of like shooting shooting fiery darts at a structure mm. so that the structure burns. Mm-hmm. So it's actually not the arrow that's destructive. It's the fire. Mm. So when, when, when the devil shoots fiery darts at us, the cross of Christ extinguishes the fire. So there's still like, there's still in a sense, the dar- the darts are still there and the mm. devil will always be throwing darts at you. And you always feel these little, these little pricks of, of the, of the temptations of the world and things like this, but, but the cross, namely the power of, of suffering, the power of s- turning suffering into sacrifice and self gift um, that extinguishes the fire. So it's actually not destructive. So the, mm. the darts will still be there your whole life, but it, it becomes, they don't become destructive. They actually become instruments of, of self gift and therefore of, of Christ likeness. Um, so the cross is not like I mean I, I know that it's probably it is a shield, mm-hmm. but even more so it's it 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 once the darts hit which they will, um, you know I, I I was thinking this morning and I feel like, I feel like we're two old people talking about our our physical illnesses our infirmities but <laughs> during during matins this morning my my uh, my herniated disc was acting up and I was my my right shoulder down my right arm and my. It's it, that last time this flared up to the same thing. And I was like, well, I even back then, six years ago, when this first hit me the the hardest, I thought, well, it's like carrying a cross on my shoulder because it's my, my right shoulder. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I had this image, I was like, well, I need to see it that way. I, I rarely do, but I need to see it that way, like carrying a, a cross on my right shoulder that hurts so much. And then the there was a psalm that was being prayed all about how you heal our wounds. And I thought, you know, it's 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 not like I expect or if I was holy, would even want like this physical wound removed. It's more like um, my inability to turn suffering into self-gift is a wound. It's a mm. disease. And so the disease is is not being able to see the power of suffering and how that can become sacrifice and self-gift. That can become the cross. That's that's the disease. That's the wound that Christ is healing. Mm. Not necessarily the physical wound, but 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 the the weakness, the 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 negative weakness, the evil weakness of not being able to see the power of what these things can do. Um, so that in a sense, that's what it is. The shield or the cross itself. Um, allows those extinguishes the darts doesn't necessarily prevent them because the darts can be um, mediums methods instruments of grace and the cross and self gift and holiness mm-hmm. um, so that's what the cross does is it, it it helps them it keeps them from being destructive and actually makes them makes them effective and then yeah the light of Christ is a and that's kind of another beautiful thing, you know, when, when nuns in your habits, where your your face is is the kind of the flame, the glowing part, your 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 Christ likeness in a sense um, that you see. It's almost like you know your whole body's a candle. The whole candles, you know, not that ornate, but the the flame is what makes a candle a candle. And there's just something about the the joy of of the of the face that is shown you, the face of Christ, um, bringing that light to the world through your own joy and your own. Um, you know, endurance and your own witness of, of the monastic life. Amen. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> and I'm looking at the cross you have tattooed on your foot. Yeah. Everyone will see that at the profession. Yeah. So I'll be barefoot. When she was still, when she was a, a mere, a mere Victoria. Um, I don't think world. we've ever said my name on this podcast, Sorry. Father Michael. Her, her name before... <laughs> Her name before oh my initial gosh. torture was Victoria. It's no longer. I can't believe you just did that. Um, 
<laughs> Did you not want people to know? I don't know. Okay. I we'll, don't know. We'll edit that out. No, we won't. <laughs> we, never, <laughs> we never edit things out. Um, but anyway, she, she, she actually asked me, like, do you think I should, do you think I can get a tattoo of the cross on my foot? And I said, I said, ask mother, because I was like, <laughs> I was so sure that she was going to enter Christ the Bridegroom. I was like, literally call up and ask, before you even enter, call up and ask her. And mother's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I got it on my foot to um, remind myself to walk in the way of the cross, so. Amen. Um, and it's actually been a, yeah, it's been really an aid in prayer at times, so. Um, all right, I think that's, I think that's it. I think we we finally ended the the service and um on to the party. On to the party. So um please um Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, reviews on Apple Podcasts, YouTube. YouTube Goodreads. <laughs> All of those things. I love how you just said please and just named a bunch of things. All of those things please do the things that you use do with all those these things. things. <laughs> Whatever they are. Yeah. That's it. Cool. Thank sister for your excuse me, that was a weird like that was like a the, like a hiccup. The air came out of my lungs in a thing. weird way while I was trying to talk. <laughs> it wasn't even a hiccup, it was just like my lungs were like, get rid of this air. Um, <laughs> like while I was talking. Um yeah. Congratulations, sister. You're now, as people are listening, you're now mother, even though you're not yet as I as I talk to you. We have three days, maybe four, depending on how you count. <laughs> I'm still going to, just like I used to call you by your old name when you were first tonsured, even when you got your new name, I'm still going to call you sister. It still slips out of room when you're frustrated with me. Yeah. It's not when I'm frustrated with it's you. It's totally when you're frustrated with me. Dang it, Victoria, me. it is not when I'm frustrated <laughs> with you. <laughs> okay. Um, prayer intentions. Please pray for pray for all those who are or will be my spiritual children, um, and and pray for me that I may really embrace um, that I can love with a motherly heart. That's what I want. That's my prayer intention. Amen. Uh, I will do that. But also if all of our listeners, um, it's always, I know hard uh, at events like this for those who are really lonely and those who don't know their vocation. Hmm. So for those who like weddings, it's just really hard. I know for people that are looking for a spouse, think they're called to marriage and have to watch the fulfillment that God has brought to one person. Same thing with like, you know, people who can't have kids when they see someone get pregnant or have a child. Mm -hmm. um, and and then those who are just, those who are lonely and, and would love to be able to perceive clearly what God has planned for them and to give them hope and to trust. So for those who, uh, just pray for those who are going to witness this and are going to be joyful and very happy for the sisters becoming mothers, but also are going to have that that tinge of um, of uh, temptation that the devil gives in, in doubt in their own vocation, lack of hope, lack of trust in God. Um, and then just the loneliness that comes from from just feeling in any way isolated from these gifts that God gives, um, has, will give to you, sister. And, and you, you can now be confident and calm that your discernment is over. You know, <laughs> it'll be a good one. Discernment is over. And now you can, in one sense, rest, even though the cross continues. Um, but yeah, so please pray for all those and pray for yourself if you're one of those. Um, but we'll be praying for you as well. Um, those who who are not, are unable for whatever reason to to experience the the true and fulfilling joy of this moment. Um, All right, Father, give the blessing. Lord bless you and keep you. Cause His face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord give you a monastic heart, whether you're a monastic or not, to undergo the the purging of the cathartic way, the illuminating of the way of otesis and the union that he offers in theosis. May our Lord help you to treasure the monastics in this world and their prayer for the world, their example of, of giving themselves completely in this second baptism, the death and the resurrection that is monastic life. May our Lord give you their example of, of martyrdom, of the crowning or the laying on of the cross of self-gift, 
Uh, may you follow the example of the monastics in their love for each other and their embracing the sacrifice of community life. May you keep in mind all those who are discerning and pray for those who our Lord is guiding closer to him through their vocation, whatever that may be. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you, Father Michael. Love you, sister. Excited. Love you, listeners. Bye.